Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I am the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper, and with me, as always, is the beat writer in the heart of Giants Nation, Chris Bizignano. We have a special guest again, folks. Chris, take it away, my friend. Rick Serratella from the NFL Draft Bible, my man, Rick the Paisan. Um, he was really requested to come back on the show. We actually, me and Jerry were looking forward to getting him back on after this draft. Um, Rick, what's up, my man? How you doing? Fellas, what's happening? It's time for that after-dinner stogie over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. You, are you taking a little blow, a little vacation, a few days off? I mean, the draft is over, Rick. Are you slow down a bit, or you just kick up into 2022? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, a little, you know, a little uh, stogie action here at the Jersey Shore. The, the the weather's nice. I got my, you know, my first two beach days out. I'm hanging out on the Lavalette Beach with with no shirt on in May. I I, I can dig it. <laughs> Nice, good stuff. I, well, I hope we, you know, like that invitation is still open, my man. You Absolutely, know, I, I can't wait. I don't wait. want to hear, you, hey. hear your crap now that it's getting close to the summer. No, hey, I, hey, I Chris, think, uh, hey. you know, I don't know if I can make it this week. You know, <laughs> else, you know? I think the sawmill beach bar is already popping over there. I think we can, you know, arrange a situation going on. So I look forward to it anytime, fellas. But you exit, exit eighty two, in case you forgot. You, you tweeted <laughs> it last night, right? Uh, Cubanos and Cabanas. Part two. Here we go. Nice. Hey, Jerry, that's something we got to consider doing a little podcast from the beach with oh, Rick. Imagine dude. that. Uh, that would be incredible. Exit 82. Yes, that would be awesome. I have a little pull, so we'll see what we can make happen by the end of the summer here. Good yeah, stuff, we got to make this happen for sure. And, and a lot of people. We got to have the Shorty Long and the Jersey Horns halftime show. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it all. We're going to hit it all up. Uh, people will be coming down and be, you know, watching it live and asking questions. I think the people will really be into that, bro. Dude, it'll be bigger than if the fan, when the fan shows up at uh, Belmar. We might have something here. <laughs> nice. Might be. <laughs> so, Rick, let's get into it, my man. Let's do round, it. W- round one, um, Jalen Waddle goes to. Miami. Did that surprise you? He went in front of Devonta Smith. And when the Eagles jumped the Cowboys, um, the Giants wanted Devonta. There was no question about it, Rick. They got jumped. They weren't happy about it, but it happens. So let's get you – first of all, were you surprised Jalen Waddle went up to Miami at six? I wasn't. And we heard that leading up to the draft. And what you see is a change of philosophy with these younger GMs these new rules in the NFL, wide open offenses, instead of building from the inside out, teams are now just acquiring playmakers. Right. And you saw the Bengals bypass a tackle mm, for yep. Jamar Chase. You saw the Dolphins do the same thing yeah. for Waddle. Hey, even the Giants are bypassing tackles for playmakers. And it's just the way of the NFL. It's almost like a video game. You know, whoever has the ball less, there's very few teams that you say, hey, that team has a really stout defense. Like, how many dominant defenses in the NFL these days? So it's just a different mentality, a different frame of mind, a different way of constructing teams. Doesn't necessarily mean I believe in that way, but I wasn't surprised with the Waddle thing. Uh, in terms of Dallas and Philadelphia pulling off the in-division, uh, I, I was shocked. I was yeah. surprised yeah. about that, uh, and then I was surprised – that David Gettleman traded back not once but twice in the draft. <laughs> so that was surprising. And I was a little bit surprised that it was Kadarius Tony too. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about Tony, but I want to get to something else first. It seems like what you just described was the Jerry Reese way of building a team. I mean, would you agree with that? Like, Because you thought that the Giants would get back or the teams would 
build from the inside out and that's the way it works. That's a successful way. But Reese always went for the shiny toy for the most part. I mean, I know that, that uh, Justin Pugh was kind of a one-off, but I mean, is, is that surprising to you or? Well, you know, it's disappointing to me, I guess, it, it, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always for building from the inside out constantly, and I don't think you can ever have enough of those guys. Yeah. So what Gettleman actually did in Carolina and what he had done leading up to this draft, I believed in the philosophy of keep on beefing it up, keep on adding, and I know we're going to get to it, but for me personally, I would have preferred a Christian Darisaw where, you know, I would have felt better – about the depth and even if you had to have Darius like hey best case scenario Pert and and Thomas look good in training camp maybe Darius starts off at guard that's a, that's a great scenario to have I really don't know what to expect from Soldier but I, I I don't see the offensive line being addressed at all and at the end of the day you're only as strong as your weakest link the offensive line is still the weakest link yeah yeah that's well, were you surprised, Rick, when they didn't? I know. Look, Slater was there at eleven. They trade back down to twenty. Now look, the Bears come in. They want to move up. They want their guy, right? So Dave insists on a one, or it's not happening. The Bears go for it. Ryan Ryan Pace goes for it. He, he offers the one. The Giants jump on it. I can't blame the Giants for that, Rick. The land of number one for next year. Right. Now they go back to twenty. Okay, are you surprised it's Kadarius Tony? Let's get into the number one pick, Rick. What do you see in Kadarius Tony? How's he fit here with the Giants? And were you surprised that it was him at twenty? Yeah, and you know, going back to the first part about Slater, if, if this was a playoff team built to win now, where you said, "Hey, yeah. we're a piece or two away." Let's get our guy. I, I I would say, hey, you go get him. Right. But the fact that, let's be honest, <laughs> I, I don't see this team competing for a Super Bowl this year. Why not acquire? Like, are you kidding me? Move back nine spots, pick up another first rounder next year from a team who may, may not even make the playoffs? Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right. So I thought it was a win-win because I, I feel like Justin Fields is going to come in and compete for the starting job there in Chicago. So I thought it was a win-win for both teams. Yeah. And now you look at next year where it's a stronger draft class. You've got all this draft equity. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, that's a W. Now, the selection, you know, I I thought Tony, I thought he was going to slide out of the first round. I really did. Because to me, again, that to me was more of a luxury selection. Like that's, that's a team, a contending team looking to put their offense over the top that just is looking for that extra element where I don't see this guy being on the field more than 20, 25 plays a game. Right. So when, again, when you're a non-playoff team to add a guy like that in the first round, uh, you know, if you wanted to go receiver, Bateman might've been the, the better option there. And then the other part of it is coming off of the, we got into uh, the Deandre Baker scenario and, Coming off of that whole fiasco, like you hear Tony tardiness constantly late to practice. Uh, he would never be taken under the Tom Coughlin era. I can tell you that. And so you wonder, you know, again, what what kind of locker room are we building? And and then the other part that bothers me when I look at the roster and the way it's built, 
you've got now, and, and Tony's a tough kid, and, and how he's going to be used, very similar to a Percy Harvin is how I would use him. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up in the slot, end around, bubble screens. Yeah. Who knows, punt return if Peppers goes down. But the issue is, and he's tough. He'll play through the injury. He's always nicked up. Sterling Shepard, we mentioned it. You mentioned it, Chris. He's tough, but he's always on the every week on the injury. Evan Ingram, every week on the injury. John Ross, another one. Like Dante Pettis, plagued by injuries. Kenny Galladay, like how many games did he – like this whole receiving unit, uh, God bless Kyle Rudolph, you know, they overpaid, but he might bring some stability. Like I'm just holding my breath with the durability of the weapons and we'll get into the running back situation. You got Barkley coming off of an injury, but these guys are just, and I get it. Like every team deals with injuries, but man, every freaking guy in this receiver core is injury prone. It seems like. How much further down did you have Tony for those who don't have the publication? How much further down did you have Tony from Devonte Smith and Waddle? I mean, I still had him inside the top 50. To me, Kadarius Tony and Rondell Moore were very close in, in terms of talent. And I know Moore went, I, I don't know offhand, but I know he went much later in the draft. Yeah. So in terms of where they took Tony, to me, I just didn't love the value there. I get it, though. I understand it because they're trying to set, to, to set you know, the, the whole model we just discussed. Enable your quarterback to be in a position to succeed. They really haven't surrounded him with playmakers. So this is a great playmaker. I don't want to underestimate the playmaking ability of a Kadarius. Like anytime this guy has the ball in his hands, he's a threat to score. You need that. And you need that because, let's be honest, Daniel Jones doesn't know how to get rid of the ball quickly. Well, now you've got an underneath, a bubble screen, a dump, a check down, get rid of the ball. Hey, you're under pressure. Here's a guy that can turn nothing into a first down in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So there's tremendous value to what Kadarius Tony brings to the table. I just, it was a little rich for me. I would have went offensive line. I still would have went Darisaw. I think was still on the board. That would have been my pick after trading down, but I get it. I understand it. Uh, we'll see if he can hold up now over the long haul. Yeah, Darisol went 23 to the Vikings. I, I thought it was going to be a defensive end at that point, which, you know, we, we can get into the second pick as well, the second round. But I thought it was like, uh, you know, I, look, I, I was saying quitty pay from the start just because he seemed like the kind of guy that Gettleman would want. Um, high up, you know, higher upside, maybe not the production in college, but the size and everything. And, and at 20, I was like, all right, it's quitty pay then. It's got to be quitty pay. And when they said Tony, it, it was a surprise. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. Look, Rick, I, I'm with you, brother. Um, I I thought offensive line should have been a priority. Darisol was there. I, I obviously Slater was there before they moved. They traded down. You know, I me personally, I probably would have ran to the podium and got Slater. Okay, but I don't run the Giants, so they wanted another playmaker. Now, Kadarius Tony, a couple of things really impressed me about him. One against big time competition, he really played well against LSU and Alabama, right? Now, I like his toughness, Rick. His change of direction. When he plants that foot, he's gone. Like I think you even put that in the draft Bible, if I remember right. He puts a foot in the ground, boom. Um, he, from what I understand, the kid lives about winning and losing. Takes losing very hard. Wants to win games. Will run through a wall to win a game. 
I like that. Now that you heard something different, Rick, but this is what I'm hearing. The Giants had him rated like just slightly below Devonta Smith. And I'm not even going to put Chase in this conversation. Smith and Waddle. Yeah. Slightly below them, Rick. That I know for a fact. They had him slightly below him. They felt he was a one talent. And they jumped on him because they wanted another playmaker. Now, Rick, do you see in year two Joe Judge's influence a lot more than last year in his draft? Do you think if Judge was like a Sherman just said, okay, yeah, okay, whatever you want to go with, Dave, that Dave drafts Kadarius Tony there? You know, I I think that Judge has to have some kind of influence, but I don't think it's significant influence. So, in other words, you know, you've got to be in unison and understand what kind of DNA, what kind of player that someone likes. I think you also have to be okay and comfortable, you know, with a Tony character, you know, questionable situation hey, are, are you comfortable bringing a guy like this in the locker room? We'll get into A-Rob, the third-round pick, Antonio Robinson, another guy thrown out of Alabama. So, like, you got two guys, questionable character, that you're bringing into the locker room. Are you are you cool with that, Joe? Because you're you're a pretty young dude, right? Are, are you okay with that? And so I think it's more of, like, are you comfortable with the situation? Here's what we're thinking Here's what we're going to do. I don't think it's so much Joe Judge dictating what kind of player he wants. I think Judge just wants to show up, go to work, and be a coach. Now, Bill Belichick has taken many flyers on questionable character players over the years. So I look at that, and I see a Tony coming in here. And now I guess you have something on Aaron Robinson in the corner, third pick, for what you just said. It seems like you might have some stuff on him that maybe some question marks in his background. But Belichick always had that philosophy, man. Don't worry about it. He'll come here and he'll get into the culture of our organization. Randy Moss did it for a few years before he started turning to Randy Moss again a little bit. Guys have done it over the years in Belichick. Do you think that, you know, Judge has that mentality of, well, there's a certain culture here and they'll conform into that culture? You know, winning breeds that culture too, though, right? So, like, it, it's it's easy to say it, but unless you've walked the walk, how do you talk that Bill Belichick had Super Bowls from his Giants days that he could lean on, you know, despite the, the Browns situation there, he still won rings. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Bill Parcells isn't bringing home two, two championships without Bill Belichick. Nope. Right? And so, you know, Belichick has a culture in New England that breeds winning, it's easy to command that kind of respect when it works. Like you saw the same influence Tom Brady had. They said, hey, Brady was the one re-recruiting these guys to re-sign yep. so that they have all 22 starters returning. Because right. guess what? Winning winning breeds a mentality that says, hey, I want to be a part of that culture. Yeah. So until you actually start winning, I think that's kind of been the downfall of some of these Patriots coaches that have tried to – be too Belichickin, Charlie Weiss, Matt Patricia, a lot of other guys, Romeo Cornell. And I, I don't know if Cornell's in that category, but you, you got to just be yourself. And so it's hard to say, hey, you're going to come be part of a culture when we don't even know what the heck this culture is. I mean, take a look at the offensive line. What are they on their third or fourth offensive line coach? It's the second year as a head coach. How is there supposed to be continuity there? Yeah, well, you know, Judge, uh, if it's 
if you don't fit into what a judge wants, you've seen it already last year. He's going to, you know, you're going to have a problem and you're going to be gone, you know. Um, Kadarius, Tony, one last thing on Kadarius, Jerry. We'll move on. Um, are you concerned about him, uh, Rick? Are you concerned about some of the things you heard about him as he steps into the NFL and now he's going to be making millions soon? Sure. I can, I'm concerned anytime a player has had incidents with police officers off the field, you wonder about the maturity. And then I also worry about the durability on the field. So, yeah, I have my question marks, but, you know, the talent, the, the, the reward, I guess, outweighs the risk, which I will get into with the second pick, and I would probably echo that same sentiment. The reward outweighs the risk. So, by the way, first off, Rick, do you play poker at all? <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge uh, poker guy, actually. The reason I ask is I know where you're going with the answer when you do this. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to like the answer. But he does the, heads, the side head shake. I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. When you ask about a player and you go, mm. Um, so the second round, look, if Giant fans were happy with what they did in the first round, I think it was mixed. Um, but as time went on, I think Giant fans are happy, especially since they got the first and the third, or the first and the, uh, the fourth, I'm sorry, from the Bears. But trading down from 42 when you figured they would take Ojolari at 42, going down to 50 and getting him, and then getting – what, another third next year? I mean, that, that was, I, I thought, for as good as getting a first round next year because you traded down in the first, I thought the second round pick, pound for pound, was actually a better move. I would even say that the third round pick that they acquired for next year is probably equal to a second round pick this year because of how deep the draft is going to be next year. So yeah. I love the draft equity. Uh, when I, If we're talking draft numbers – this has no relevance to anything we're talking about, but I'll just slide it in there. I saw the Giants drafted more senior bowl players than any team in the last they two always years, do, right? Though, right? They, they, yeah. The senior year MVP, the quarterbacks, yeah. Laletta Webb and uh, and what Jones, right? They love the senior bowl. Holy it, cow, they, they do they ever? And, you know, and this year it was really the only opportunity for teams to get to interview and talk to guys. But getting back to Ojalary, I mean, how do you not love the value when? You know, we were talking about, hey, could could he go as high as the top 10 potentially, Yeah. right? And then the medical recheck didn't come back so favorably right before the draft. Right. And suddenly his draft stock plummeted. And, you know, again, the, the, the reward here is you've got a guy, arguably, if you can coach it out of him, might be your best pass rusher on the team, right? Yeah, I, I mean, who's your best? Lorenzo Carter, you know, Jimenez coming off an injury. Yeah. Uh, this guy here, he he might just be a third down pass rush situational guy as a rookie, but he might also lead the team in sacks. I would not be surprised if that's the case. And so I like the pick of Ojolari. I thought that, you know, this is a high character guy now, someone who was a captain as a freshman yeah. at Georgia. So uh, you talk about now a guy that who is high character, right. you know, still in that SEC power five pedigree type of prospect. Right. And so, you know, hey, uh, it's hard to knock the value. And then again, picking up the additional draft equity, uh, it, it's hard to not like it. Uh, real, real quick, Chris. Let me just get one more in. Yeah, Ojolari, yeah. what, what was, why was there a concern with his knee when he injured it in high school, and then I think he never missed a practice? Was that, did you see that? Was that overblown? What did you, what were your thoughts there? 
Well, you know, you guys have to understand that the medical reports are the one thing we're not privy to. Okay. And that's what scares people, right? So look at uh, Ajayi, J-A-J-I, similar deal. Yeah. Was considered a pretty high prospect. They found that bone on bone in his knee right before the draft. Yeah. All the teams bypass. Where's Jay Agile? Where's Jay Ajayi these days? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, right. So, like, you know, you might have a small window that you get out of this guy, but right. it, it's a high impact. This is a guy that can immediately contribute as a situational pass rush return. Now, I don't know what the medical recheck exactly said, but it, it was bad enough where you know every team passed on him, and some teams passed on him more than once. Okay. What do you like best about Aziz's game, Rick? I think the explosiveness, you know, the burst and the ability, like the fact that this guy's still developing, right? He has room for improvement. He can grow into his frame. He can get stronger. He can still get bigger, faster, stronger. And he's still an ascending prospect, talent-wise. That's what I like about his raw, you know, his raw game, the upside. I thought, to me... I didn't think he was the most, like you said, Quiddy Pay made sense, and he was more polished. I thought Quiddy Pay was a more immediate impact kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, I only said Quiddy Pay because of his size, and that's the kind of guy that Gettleman would look at and fall in love with. Sorry, so yeah, and 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 I agree with that. But I think in terms of potent, you know, that dangerous p word, potential. Yeah, I I thought Ojolari had the highest ceiling, yeah, so yeah. you got to feel good about that. Yeah, Rick, when when I looked at Aziz a lot on tape. Like you just said, I see a kid with an explosive step off that edge. He seems to have that one signature move. He goes to a lot. He like kind of, if I remember right, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong. He drops that shoulder. If I remember right, he uses that arm, that arm move. Uh, you know what I mean? That little, that swim move. I should say that hand move, right, Rick? He drops that shoulder. He's got a little dip and rip to it. He's got a dip, little dip and rip. That's exactly what I was looking for. Rip. Uh, he dips that shoulder. He does the rip. And he seems to favor that move. Now, obviously, Rick, as we all know, at this level, you can't just keep doing that. You know what I mean? You need... Uh, Rick, when I looked at him, it seemed like he had an idea what he wanted to do when he rushed a passer. When so many kids you look at on film, Rick, coming out of college, they just rely on this sheer athleticism. The same move. And a lot of times it works because it's college. At this level, that ain't going to do crap. Okay. You have to have a game plan when you attack the quarterback in this league. Uh, he seemed like he did at times. He definitely loved that one move. But like you said, Rick, to me, I look at a kid that has untapped potential. You know, the ceiling, he's not even near his ceiling. I like when he dropped back. You know what I mean? I liked him against the run at times, okay, at times. Um, I think this is a kid that, was I surprised? He went down to 50. Yeah, I had him as a late one, to be honest with you, Rick. I did not have him as 11th overall talent, nowhere near it. I had him as a late one, but I think this kid could be a steal at 50. And like you said, Rick, is Leonard Williams going to get 11 and a half sacks next year? Probably not. You know, will Lenny lead the team maybe with eight sacks next year? But like you said, I could see this kid being up there with Leo, like with six, seven, eight sacks each. What do you think about that? I I agree. And I like the kind of combination where Patrick Graham can get creative and play these two guys off of each other. You know, and I think that's the one thing. If you kind of have this interchangeable defense that Graham is trying to implement here and switching things up, like, don't be surprised. You could see Ojalary up at the line of scrimmage. 
You could see him standing up. Yep. You talk to his teammates there at Georgia. They actually give him a lot of credit for what he does in the run game. So I think it's kind of overlooked because of the need that the Giants have and his reputation. Like everybody thinks he's just a pass rush guy. He's not, Rick. He he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. No, so Rick, I think- Rick, just, I'm sorry to jump. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Rick. But one one thing before you finish that thought is that I saw him taking on pulling guards in college and hold it and making plays. So anybody who says you know, oh, he's just a, you know outside edge rusher and all. They didn't look at him because the kid, like you just said, he has no problem being physical in the run game. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. And, you know, so I think he, he's going to be in the mix immediately. Right. And let's be honest, guys. I mean, we the one thing we have been craving is a high-impact linebacker in Big Blue. Yes, we have. And I love you, Blake Martinez. But, hey, I need a guy who creates turnovers, a guy who blows up backfields. Yeah. You know, he created like four forced fumbles and and, and recovered a bunch of fumbles. And and I think he even had an intercept. So, like, he's creating turnovers, momentum-changing plays. Like, the Giants don't have enough of those. And that's the X-factor capability that Aziz Ojolari brings to the table. Boom. You hit it right in the head, Rick. He's active. He makes plays. Tackles for loss. Forced fumbles. Okay, he makes plays. He's active. A lot of guys have these stats, and they're like, okay, that's nice, but that's what you saw in his game. Um, I'm glad you pointed it out, Rick, because I forgot, totally forgot about the force fumble and tackles for loss aspect of his game. And um, like you said, the Giants desperately need, like you said, Blake's a solid linebacker, but they need that game changer, a guy who could come in and get that force fumble in the fourth quarter, Rick, get that strip sack at the end, you know, get that big third and two, one-yard tackle for loss or something like that. That's what I see in this kid's future, Rick. Um, I think the Giants fans are going to be really happy with him. Yeah, it seems like the last time we got a game-ending sack was, um, you know, George Martin was on the field. It just seems so long. Like, it's, I know it happened in Seattle where they stopped them from scoring, but, you know, it, it, it just that signature sack at the end of the game seems like it's been forever. Trades aside, I got I got a grading question for you, and I know you don't like the, probably don't like the grade drafts right away, but everybody likes when you do it, right? It's one of those things. It's stupid, but – you know, everybody likes it, right? If they flip those picks, Rick, if they took Ojalarian at one and Tony in the second round, would you feel better about it? You know, it, it, you're like playing the lotto, right? They're all lotto tickets. But, yeah, I, you know, you could argue, hey, if you flip these guys before the draft, nobody would have batted an eye, right? Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, what you got was two guys yeah. who addressed needs – Playmaker on offense, playmaker on defense, get off after the quarterback, give Daniel Jones some help. It all made sense, and you picked up the additional picks. You came out smelling like roses regardless. Now, again, barring injury, hey, it all looks good. That's why they play the games. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, You touched on Aaron Robinson before, the issues he had at Alabama. I guess as a a fan, I'm not as concerned about that because you know that Judge did his due diligence with – Nick Saban, right? And if if something happened in Alabama, he still probably had to get not his blessing, but the the uh, he had to speak highly of him. I guess from a talent perspective, offensive guards that were there aside, we can talk about that as well. Wyatt Davis was still there. I think Cleveland was still there. As far as talent goes for Aaron Robinson, does that outweigh the negative that you just told us with regard to him getting launched from Alabama? 
you know, I never actually tracked down why he got thrown out of Alabama. Yeah. So that was kept pretty covered up. And so we don't know the exact reason. And let's be honest, you got to do something pretty bad to get thrown out of Alabama, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it, we had uh, How- Howard Balzer on uh, during the draft, and he was telling the story about uh, the team that drafted Claude Roten and had all this off-the-field baggage at first-round pick defensive end out of LSU. And at the time, you know, he remembers the GM or, or the coach coming on and saying, hey, Nick Saban loves this kid. You know, and, you know, Claude Roten was out of the league, I think, within a year. So, you know, I get it, the the Saban pipeline and uh, the relationship there. And, you know, at the end of the day, he did get thrown out. We don't know why. Now, he rebounded. He had a very solid career there at UCF. You could argue that he is the best cornerback, in my opinion, the best nickelback in this draft. And so whoa, I think – Whoa, 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 whoa. How about that, everybody? <laughs> really? Hey, praise, yeah, I think so. I do. You, I you do. rate him that high? I do. I think based on his body of work, his film, and then what he did at the Senior Bowl, I really liked his game. He's physical. He's tough. Yeah. He's got size. He's grabby. I like it. Uh, Rick, he seems like a kid who loves to play press man. He, li- he, he likes does. that tight coverage, right? He, he seems to like that tight coverage. He thrives on it. He does, and I think – guy that can cover tight ends and running backs too so and you look at like now you talk about positionless defense that phrase gets thrown around interchangeable parts like Darnay Holmes, Adoree Jackson, Julius uh, Love, this guy Robinson they've all got experience playing inside outside they're all kind of interchangeable now where you can kind of move the Julius Peppers right like You can line these guys up in a lot of different spots. McKinney, McKinney too, yeah, yeah. It's nice to have that versatility. That's what that's what it's all about on the Patrick Graham, Rick. That's what they look for. You know, there's no question about it, Rick. Before we'll we'll get back to Robinson, but I have to ask you something about two of my Notre Dame guys in the second <laughs> round. One really surprised me. One not so much, Rick. Liam Eckenberg. Did that surprise you? How early he went? Not really, because I think a lot of people thought he could sneak into the first round. Wow. He, I, I, I didn't – man, I tell you, Washington yeah, aside, for years, aside I, from I, I Chris, Aside from Chris, most Notre Dame fans are just blind – like Yankee fans, right? It's just – if they play for them, they're the best. Chris is, is pretty honest with his assessment of Notre Dame guys. I've heard other Notre Dame fans say, no, nah, that should have been the pick. That, that should be the guy. So, go ahead, Rick. Well, and I, I think one of the big factors you guys got to understand that plays into it, like Eichenberg, I remember, was one of the highest-rated – if not the highest rated offensive lineman on Blesto and national, you know, going into the season. And that counts for something. So even if you don't play up to that ability, it, it's human nature. Like scouts just remember that. Yeah. But I, I spoke to teams that said, Hey, don't be surprised if he sneaks into the first round. So I don't think it shocked me. Well, and, I, and I think, I think, I think he's a solid guy that can come in and, and, and play immediately. So I, I think. Well, one thing line, you did, one thing coach, you, yeah. I'm sorry, Rick. One thing you or your scout, whoever did the scouting report on him, agree with, with me, I don't like his feet, brother. I don't like his feet. I think he's going to struggle in the NFL game. I love the kid, but I was surprised he went that high in the second round. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that. He's because not the, the most person, athletic kid, Rick. 
the person who wrote that is actually a Notre Dame homer. So there you go. Oh, well, I wonder why. No, no, no. But you, I think you had him going the third round, which I had him. Right? I think you had him third round, Rick. If I, I don't have your book in front of me, but. We had know, him, yeah, in that second or third round right? His feet yeah. scare me. I was a little surprised with that. Aaron Banks, most people had him projected around third round. He went in the second round. That doesn't totally surprise me. Did that surprise you? 49? No, because I again I I uh, heard a lot of scouts really high and and right. rant and rave about his capabilities. So there was a lot of love. I think the the whole Notre Dame offensive line unit as a whole had a lot of love in the scouting community. Well, they've been offensive line unit the last few years, man. They yeah. really have. Yeah. So Rick, Aaron Robinson, you see a kid play the slot outside and everything. Well, I prefer him in the slot. I, I think, can he play on the outside? He can. He can okay. survive. I'm not sure I want to see him starting out there. Right. I think he, I, he seems to be better suited or more comfortable on the inside. And, you know, they tried him on the outside at the senior bowl. But I, I really think his home at the next level is right there in the nickel. All right. So, so, so by the time the fourth round comes, you know, giant fans who wanted an offensive lineman are like, all right, what do we do now? You know, taking Ellerson Smith, he's he's a he's an intriguing prospect, right? Six seven, he can I don't know, forty two inch vertical. You know, like 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 me when I'm when I'm dunking in my backyard. But I mean, you know, was there anyone else there at that point, Rick, where you just said, you know, what they here's a guy they could probably pick on the offensive line who would help immediately. And I, you know, maybe you don't remember exactly, but in the fourth round or, or, or fourth or fifth round. Yeah, Tommy Doyle out of Miami, Ohio, is a guy that I was. I thought he was penalized because he opted out and he was out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. However, let me preface my Ellerson Smith analysis by saying this: You guys just heard me say pretty positive things about the Giants' picks thus far, right? Yeah. I actually like their day three picks more than any of them. Oh. Okay. So how about that? Interesting. Okay, I've I've spoken to Ellerson Smith on numerous occasions. This kid is top notch. You talk about a work ethic, right, folks. We didn't know this before Rick came on, so go ahead. No, <laughs> wait, no. Listen, this guy is an incredible. He's a relentless worker. I mean, the, your fan base is so educated. I'm probably not telling them they don't something they don't already know, but he comes to Northern Iowa, 190 pound tight end. Yeah. Yes. Right, he bulks up about 60, 70 pounds. Gets with Bryce Pop over there, the D line coach at Northern Iowa, the old Green Bay Packer. Yeah, Kurt Cunningham. Yep, and so he develops him into this pass rushing menace. And he said, "Hey, you know, the first time I had him running around the edge on a stunt, he came around the corner. He was like a deer in headlights. He didn't know what the heck was going on." Oh wow. And so you talk about O'Jolari where his best football is ahead of him. To me, like if you had to ask me out of these six draft picks, who has the greatest chance to sign the second contract with the Giants? It's Ellerson Smith. Wow. Because this man is just so and he comes with an additional cafeteria worker, right? Because he told me he has to eat between 4,000 and 4,400 calories per day right. just to maintain his weight. 
okay, just to maintain his weight. So he's still working at it. He's still working on that strength. And the speed is obvious, you know, 6'7", 265. I think he ran a 4'6", 5", 4'7", something in that. You mentioned the vert. So, like, the speed, the quickness is all there. He's going to continue to get stronger. And even if he loses some of that quickness, like, watch out. This guy, again, uh, I think they can get creative in where and how they use him. And I like the pick of Ellerson Smith a real lot. So interesting. All right, Rick. That is interesting what you just said. And Jerry, that one took me by surprise. Yeah, right. I didn't That's see why that Rick on. He always, you notice Rick always gives you like two or three like shockers. You notice that? Oh, I remember last time. That. that was awesome. So, Rick, <laughs> I don't know so much about this kid. Uh, they go running back, you know, in the sixth round with Gary Brightwell. Tell us something about him, what you know. I don't know much about him. I don't think, Jerry, you don't know much about him, right? No, I don't watch much Arizona. Another player I had a chance, he was on my show, Gary Brightwell. Wow. Giants fans are going to love him. You know, Wayne, Wayne Gallman, I thought, was a tough, hard-nosed runner. This kid's even tougher. And I love – before I get into his on-the-field story, speaking to him and getting to know what this young man has dealt with off the field, first of all, his father was murdered. Oh, wow. His sister died in a car crash. Oh, my like, th- this man has just faced so much adversity in his life. He doesn't start until this past season. Right. It gets shortened due to the pandemic. Like, Gary Brightwell Jr., all this man has done is overcome adversity in his life. So I would not bet this – I would not bet Gary Brightwell out of making the 53-man roster. And so, in fact, I feel like this was a great power play for the Giants because Barkley's coming off of that injury – Right. You definitely don't want him in there on third downs as the pass protector. Gary Brightwell is a great pass protector. Really? Oh, by the way, he's a great pass catcher. Yeah. So he is the perfect third down back for this Giants football team. I know they signed Devontae Booker, who I think is more of an insurance policy. Right. I think Brightwell could be the third down. And then he plays all four special teams units. So, yeah, so he was drafted, and the, the narrative is special team. But you're saying you wouldn't be surprised to see him get action in the backfield. It just makes too much sense with his wow. skill set because he is – and, like, you don't hear too many running backs coming out of college who are solid and sound in the pass protection. That's one of the strong points. You and he catches with, the ball. Are you concerned with the fumbles at all? Well, I mean, I don't think he's going to be getting a lot of – carries and touches but yeah no that was the I, one knock on him i saw it was five fumbles or whatever yeah i mean you know is, is he gonna be touching the ball more than five times a game probably not yeah. i i think just from you know the fact that he can be a third down back he can play all four special teams like he's on punt protection and then he can also return kicks hmm. he can also be a gunner gary brightwell is a sneaky pick and i i fell in love with him he was he was undraftable before I spoke to him. I spoke to him right before his pro day. I fell in love with the the person. Then he were, went out and ran like a four four something at six foot and change, two hundred plus pounds. Yeah. Very well built, put together, both mentally, physically. Uh, Gary Brightwell. Hey, you're gonna like this young man. Is he more of a power runner, Rick? Uh, talk a little bit about. Is he a power like? Yeah, I, I think he's more of a tough like between the tackles type of runner. Right. He can make you miss. He's not 
uber elusive, but you know, he's got enough wiggle to to create plays and is he a, is he like a third and one type kid, Rick? Could he get can he move the sticks and short yards? Is he that type of guy? He can get it done if you need him to. Sounds like okay. a mod Bradshaw. Is that a bad comparison? Not a bad comparison at all. Not a bad nice. comparison at all. Yeah, I think he's a little bigger though. All right. So, um yeah, go ahead, Rick. Go ahead, Chris. No, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, so look, you can never have enough corners in this game in today's football. I said it a thousand times, and obviously Gettleman agrees with me because in the last pick, he goes on another one with Darius Williams. Tell us about him and where do you, where do you see him possibly, Rick? Yeah, and this is probably – love this pick, but I thought it was sound. Uh, my scouting department really likes him a lot. To me, he's – 24 going on 25. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He is what he is. Like, I don't think it, we talk about Ojalary and Ellerson Smith. You're still ascending. You know, this, this, this guy pretty much is plateaued. You, you know, he's been the same player, but he's got great length, prototypical size. Again, another one of these man coverage, physical, feisty cover cornerbacks that this was a depth pick and it, they took him in the sixth or seventh round. So and he. Any similarities to his brother at all, Rick? Uh, Greedy Williams, yeah. I mean, he, he's got the similar size and frame, and and okay. and they're both good cover corners. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say there's similarities. Uh, Rodarius, I know, stayed back in school. They graduated together. They came from a very uh, rough upbringing and a really tough household. So. Uh, there's 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 some of that mentality to him as well. Yeah, I understood taking a taking a corner earlier because even Chris was saying, don't be surprised if if Sertan is there if that's the guy, right? Sertan and um, even Horn, but more Sertan. So that that one that didn't shock me that they took Robinson. I think when they took Williams, it was, I mean, are, are they? I, I guess it's value, but you know, you look at last year, and I know they signed a Dory Jackson, but they were taking guys off the street like Isaac Yadam and then Ryan Lewis and going back to Yadam and then trying finally wisely, as Chris would say, Julian Love. Um, but it, it didn't shock me, I guess. I guess in the sixth round, you're going value. So you can only assume that he was the highest guy on their board and that's what they went with, no? You know, I think that they've been burnt, like you said, so much the past couple seasons in the secondary. And, you know, guys like Jack Rabbit, I, I, I thought – wasn't really, you know, they're signing guys like Leon Hall a week before the season. Yeah, right. And, you <laughs> yes. know, uh, DRC, they probably held on two seasons too long. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, I guess at this point, to me, again, it should have been offensive line. But, you know, cornerback now, the secondary, you've got to say last year it was a weakness. If you had to point to an area of strength on the defense, you might point to the secondary now. Yeah, they're almost they're, they're the opposite of the 07 team right now. They're building back, and that's what Chris said. It's, it's the Patriots' way of building a defense. You're, you're building it from the back to the front almost. Not that the front's anything to sneeze at, but you know they are loaded now at safety corner, and like you said, all interchangeable parts. The one position where there's actually depth now. Yeah. Like the, the, the front line unit is strong, but once you get to the backups, eh, linebackers now is starting to become – a unit, but again, zero depth. Right. The secondary, you've actually got depth and versatility. So we shall see. So Rick, I, I hate giving grades on drafts. I, I think they're so idiotic. You know, you gotta really wait three years before you see how a draft plays out. 
draft class plays out. But I'm going to put you on the spot anyway, Paisan. Give us a grade. If you had to give a grade for the Giants draft class of 2021, what would it be, Rick? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a hard, I'm a firm but fair grader. And so very few teams I gave an A to, and I gave the Giants a very solid B+. Plus. Wow. That's good. good. I mean, Giants should be happy hearing that if you're a hard grader. Yeah, well, and I think, it, like you said, you, it's hard to judge this draft without seeing who those picks next year that they picked up were, right, yeah. and how that pans out. But if we're just basing it off of this year's selections, I mean, I think the first three picks, while you can question the character, you can question the injuries, you can't question that all three are going to have some kind of impact on this team this year. And your favorite pick was the fourth round, which is amazing. My favorite pick was Ellerson Smith. And then, I, again, I believe Gary Brightwell – even if it's on special teams, he's going to have a key role. Hmm. So who's Rick? Who's the one that's going to surprise Giant fans this camp? That's going to say, "Wow, this kid's really." This was a kind of a steal. Forget about Aziz and Kadarius. The last four guys. Who you? Who do you think, Rick? That I'm going to look at a trading camp, and I'm going to be like, "Holy crap! This kid is really sticking out." I, I think, you know, because Brightwell is going to have such a limited role touching the ball. I think A-Rob is going to be the guy that Giants fans, by the end of the season, are saying, hey, you know what? Like, he might be our best cornerback. Really? Wow. Well, let me tell you, Giant fans, if that is the scenario, if that plays out like Rick just said, and A-Rob, we'll call him A-Rob. I, I actually like I that. I can't one. believe you are going to call him that. I'm shocked. Um yeah, because it makes me think of another buffoon, A-Rod. Right. Uh, I know Rick, you're a Yankee fan, but he's a buffoon. Okay? I was just going to say, there's no way Chris calls him A-Rod. All right. Uh, um, but if A-Rod turns out to be one of the top corners, Jerry, or the top yeah. corner, like Rick says, he could even possibly be the top corner. The Giants are going to be sitting really pretty, bro. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah they it's are. It's like the top corner comes. So, yep. Rick, um, just quickly, I guess – there's only three undrafted free agents signed, okay? Numbers are really down to shit. You know what other going to happen. Um, Jake Burton, offensive tackle guard. Brett Heggie from Florida and his kid Raymond Johnson at third. First, let's get into Brett Heggie a little bit since he's, he's a Gator. Um, what do you know about him? Uh, you know, Do you like him? Or what's he bring to the table? Yeah, we actually had a late-round grade on him. And I think he may have had a knee injury somewhere in there as well. But outside of the injury, from a talent standpoint, I mean, is this a guy that can compete with Nick Gates down the road as a potential starter at the center position? I wouldn't doubt it. Wow. Um, he does have the ability to play all three interior positions. So I think at the very least, he could be kind of a swingman this year. Uh, I know the Giants have big fan uh, plans for Shane Lemieux. Uh, I think Hernandez is still the guy there at the left guard spot, but should he get hurt or Lemieux falters or even Gates get, goes down? Like I, I think Heggie is a guy that could step in. I, I see him making the 53-man roster at, or, or definitely being a practice squad guy who can be bumped up pretty quickly there. I, I think he's a valuable in-line swingman. Rick, um, I watched some film of him after the Giants signed him. Okay. This is what I saw. You tell me if I'm wrong, Rick, or you tell me, you know, what you think. I see a kid. It looks like he's got a pretty good IQ. It looks like he recognizes stunts and twists and blitzes 
it seems like he recognizes it pretty well. Um, he seems to be a pretty smart player with not bad feet. Am I wrong with that, Rick? No, you're pretty spot on. And I will tell you that our Southeast scout very early on in the season put him on our radar and said, hey, this Heggy kid, look out for him. He's good. So are you saying, Rick, that I should be a Southeast scout? <laughs> there you go. It's a, <laughs> hey, it's a hotbed right there. So you're hired. <laughs> Can you make a phone call for me? Can you make a phone call for me? I wouldn't mind going out of Florida and stuff over the winter. Uh, Not a bad spot to be. So, Rick, Jake Burton, uh, don't know anything about him. I know he went over to Baylor after I uh, started for UCLA for a while. Um, what do you what do you say? What do you think about this kid? Yeah, and I think he was one of those guys who wasn't sure if the Pac-12 was playing or not, so he transferred over and, um, you know, just a, a technically sound guy. I think he has some position versatility. He's played, again, tackle, guard. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to come in, and, and they didn't address it in free agency. Right. They didn't address it in the draft. So, you know, Heggie obviously addresses a need, and then, you know, Burton, you just hope that, he can latch on. He's probably a practice squad candidate if he if he does latch on, but you know more of a fringe guy. I think he's a he's a warm camp body. And his defensive end, Rick Raymond Johnson, the third from Georgia Southern. Uh, what do you know about him? Yeah, I know his his body frame is kind of a, a tweener. Like you know, he could probably be moved up up and down the line. Is he in, an inside guy? Is he an outside guy? He did actually uh, show the ability to bring some interior pass rush, get off after the quarterback, make a bunch of plays uh, behind the backfield. Yes. I just think that, you know, coming uh, from one of the under the radar schools and football programs, you know, those guys just didn't get a lot of love in the draft process. We mentioned, Ellerson Smith was only one of six guys from the FCS total that got drafted, which tied last year's record low. And so, you know, again, I think they didn't beef up the the front lines, which was un-Gettleman-like. And, uh, you know, I think that's what you see here is just the guy that, again, is going to probably compete for a practice squad, add some versatility up and down the uh, defensive front. So you mentioned before how valuable those picks are next year. You want to tell everybody why that is? Like, is it because a lot of players are coming back next year that maybe didn't play this year? Is it just more talented than normal? Um, why Why next year are those picks so valuable? Like even Gettleman said it, it was a priority getting more picks next year. Well, yeah. You had about 656 guys that were actually eligible for this year's draft. And, you know, in comparison, in a typical year, that you know, that's just how many guys signed with agents. I think it was like six thirty-six. Right. In an average year, you've got about eighteen hundred guys that sign with agents. When we do the draft bible, there's usually a whole like there's usually a hundred quarterbacks on our big board. We we had to search high and low to find twenty-five wow. that were in this year's draft class. Yeah. So I just think from a depth and talent perspective, now you you have the NCAA that granted the extra year of eligibility that a lot of players utilized and returned to school or entered the transfer portal. So I think next year you'll probably have over 2000 players that sign with an agent and the, the draft pool, like the COVID now has impacted not just the past two years drafts forward. It will continue to impact the next two or three years draft classes. So Rick, I know it's early and you're listening to Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible. 
on the Giant Insider podcast. Rick, I know it's early, but what's what position next year? What position group is really deep in the draft? You guys ready for this one? Expect to hear a lot of quarterbacks off the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. I think what you're seeing is as these older pocket passing quarterbacks are I don't want to say weaned out, but they're getting up there in dinosaur yeah. years. Yes. Right? Eli's gone. Phillip Rivers is now gone. Big Ben's in his final year. Drew Brees, Brees say goodbye. Uh, Tom Brady's holding on. Oh. You know, these guys are going to be all gone. And, like, I, I was looking at the top quarterbacks around the league. Like, like Ryan Tannehill is a top five quarterback. I mean, after, you know, after Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, right? How many guys are better than a Ryan Tannehill these days? Like, like he's now a top five quarterback in the league. Like, that's where the quarterback position has gone. And so you saw the arms race, everybody trying to get a quarterback this year. And it's not because the quarterbacks are so talented. Everybody just needs one. So I think where like Sam Howell from North Carolina, Mac Brown, the coach has already said, hey, we don't expect Sam back after this year. Like, he's already gone on record and said Howell's out of here. Wow. And a lot of people think he could be the first quarterback. I would say keep an eye on Malik Willis out of Liberty. He could be the first quarterback. Carson Strong out of Nevada could be the first quarterback. And then, believe it or not, I think the odds-on favorite in Vegas is Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. We've seen how those guys can just kind of yeah. shoot up the draft board. So those are like four or five quarterbacks right there that we all – and then Keaton Slovis, I didn't mention, from USC. So there's like five quarterback prospects already yeah. being talked about as potential first-round picks. And, that, and right. that's before guys rise, which they do. And I want to point out one other guy who's not 2022 draft eligible. Well, he's eligible, but he'll only be a redshirt junior. This kid, Jeff Undercuffler from Albany, right upstate, he's a Sunday player. Keep an eye on that young man. And then South Carolina has a quarterback that just transferred from St. Francis. He's now at South Carolina. And then the name is slipping my head at the moment, but he's a big-time player too, big-time gunslinger. So you name Nevada, Liberty? Albany, not really the uh, the schools you would think. Hey, of, that's right? how we do it at the NFL yeah, draft. Good for you, man. Nice job. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that, Rick, because let's face it. Now, it is something that has to be talked about. Um, you're saying the quarterback class is going to be pretty deep next year, right? Let's face it. If Daniel Jones doesn't progress, if he regresses or stays the same, this is year three now. And you're going to look at it and say, you know, if they come next year and they finish, uh, what are we playing, 17 games out? They finish 6-11, and 7-10. And, yeah. and Jones is like this, Rick. Listen, you got to look at it and go, okay, well, is this our franchise or not? This is a big year for Jones. So it's interesting you say that there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks coming out because if Jones flatlines, he doesn't play well, he doesn't progress, the Giants got to take a hard look in the mirror at themselves. They got to sit around the 1925 Giants drive. And when I'm invited in the room, they're going to say, Chris, what do you think? <laughs> you know, and I'm going to say, hey, it's three years. We got to move on, fellas. 
You know, and that's why I was asking you that, Rick, because I was curious if you go to state quarterbacks, because obviously the Giants have a very good chance of having a top five pick next year, because let's face it, Andy Dalton might start the year in Chicago, but it's going to be Justin Fields' show. If not from day one, it'll probably be by day, you know, by game three, four, five, whatever it might be, Rick, you know. So the chances are they're going to be a non-playoff team and maybe even a four-win team, whatever it might be. It's possible, Rick, you know. And the Giants could have a high pick. So interesting that you said that because there's going to be a lot of questions after the season if Jones doesn't take the next step forward. And playmakers is not going to be the excuse anymore, Rick. Okay? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think anything's possible in the NFC, right? We all saw it last year. I will say this. Every team has a question mark at the quarterback position. So Jalen Hurts is no home run. Right. No, Dak Prescott is no guarantee. Yeah, to start even start the season. Right. Never mind finish the season. We shall see. Hmm. And like, do you really want to take a ride on the Magic Fitzpatrick? <laughs> you know, no, I mean, like, you know, so like he, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna sizzle and then he's gonna fizzle. Well, he's just so, a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, when you look at it that way, it is up for grabs. It's just a matter of, to me. The biggest issue, again, can Daniel Jones get rid of the ball, make better decisions, cut down turnovers? In order to do that, the offensive line play has to be improved. And I want to see, you know, durability from these weapons and these and these playmakers. So uh, I have more question marks about the offense than I do on the defense. Rick, yeah. Rick, Jerry. I'm sorry, just one last question about the draft, uh, Jerry, and I'll let you jump back in there. Were you surprised Trey Smith? Was it strictly the blood clot issue? Why he dropped to the sixth round, I, I gather, Rick? Absolutely, and that has okay. been a concern of mine, uh, you know, since I learned about Trey Smith a few years ago because I am somebody who has the same similar condition with blood clots in my lungs and oh, okay. Uh, okay. very familiar with, with Trey Smith's condition. And so okay. – when everybody was saying, hey, this guy's a first-round pick, I said, I just can't fathom a team, you know, multiple blood clotting incidents taking him high because also, you know, there's a concern there with taking the vaccine. And so there is a, a, a prejudice, I believe, in the NFL. Like you heard Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, say, hey, if I got to keep a, a vaccinated player over an unvaccinated player, like, if it means that I'm going to be able to have team meetings, I'm going to right. do that. And yeah. so I think that's part of the reason why right. a Trey Smith did fall. What a shame, too, Rick, because, you know, you're watching him, man. He's a second-round talent, you know. He's a mall. I like them a lot, but obviously, you know, that was a concern. And we'll see what happens when, he, you know, he landed with the Chiefs. So I just that just popped in my head because a lot of people ask, why is this kid dropping? It has to be medical, and obviously it was. So, Jerry? Yeah, gotta gotta ask you this question, Rick. Or we wouldn't be doing our job. We have a lot of people asking us today on Twitter. The Micah Parsons stuff did not affect him. Now, what we we heard some things. There was a, a like a court ruling or whatever, and we kind of read that. It was, I guess, disturbing. But was there something else about him that we don't know still? I mean, listen, guys. I I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. I really appreciate the the the, the passionate diehard fans. And I wish I could put it out there. And I okay, saw one comment like, hey, whose career am I going to try to kill that next? Yeah, like, you know what? That, some people are just, but, you know. No, but you know what? Like, I'm trying not to kill his career. Right, right, right. right. And like.
as good as it would be for the clicks, fellas, and boy, it would be it would be wonderful for the clicks. It well, really I, would. I had to ask with everybody asking. That's no, and I get that, right? And I get that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with the people. I appreciate asking me, and I'm glad we get to address it. It's just not my yeah. place Fair enough. to put it out there. I will say this. Look at the team that drafted him. Yeah. Have the Dallas Cowboys ever had an issue? No, they've never never shied away from that. Taking a, a risk on a character guy? Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Valley Ranch, you know, down there, they, they, they're not, you know, looking for choir boys. So I would say that he got taken by a team that really doesn't care about the off-the-field stuff. Now, will it ever come out? I have no idea. I just know that there was legitimacy there. It was a concern. It was a concern for me. I know it was a concern for other teams. I'm sorry I can't spill the beans. No, fair enough, man. And I hope, you know what? I'll tell you what. If I, if it gets to the point where I can, I promise I'll come back right here on the Giant Insider and break the news with you guys if I can ever put it out there. How about that? All right, man. Yeah, I, I just, again, only asked because a lot of people were still asking. That's all, bud. All love. All right, Rick. Well, thank you. Anything else, Jerry? I mean, I could I could listen to you evaluate these guys till you know twelve o'clock tonight, man. Um, I you're you're great at what you do, dude. It, it was it's a pleasure having you on. So much fun, uh, so informative. And the Ellerson Smith, Gary Brightwell, baby, psyched to see this, man. I'm so happy to hear that. But no, uh, I got nothing else, Chris. Yeah, Rick. Listen, you you definitely pumped some more enthusiasm with the giant fan base. With you know when you're coming out and you talk about a Rob. Aaron Rod- I'm going to say Aaron Robinson. It makes me sick to even, like, <laughs> think about A-Rod with him. So I'll say Aaron Robinson. You know, If he was a Red Sox, A-Rod, maybe it would be a different story. But um, Aaron Robinson, the Ellison Smith, you know what you had to say to Brightwell, I think you just pumped some more juice into the giant fan base, uh, even more enthusiastic. Actually, tomorrow, Friday's the rookie camp. Um, so I'll actually be looking forward to watching him in front of me a little bit, Rick. Um, and obviously for everybody, you know, Training camp, watching them. Um, I think Giant fans have got even more pumped up, buddy, after what you just told them. So, B plus, Rick from the Draft Bible gives the Giants a B plus. And folks, you know, Rick is all over this crap. He really is. So that's something to look forward to. Thank you, my man. Um, as the weather gets warmer, we'll be reaching out. I expect. Uh, I like hot dogs. I like chicken kebabs, Rick. Um, you know, just to give you a little hint, you know, uh, when you start up the barbecue down to your lava let shore house. Oh, come here. on, guys. We go right over the bridge to the midshore meats. We get you a couple porterhouses, T-bones, whatever. <laughs> hey, we do it up. We got the grill all ready to go. Rick, I'm I'm cheap too, man. At Maruka's Pizza on on at Seaside Heights Boardwalk. Yeah, the tomato could, pie. We, you we know, you can't get hurt. We could walk together on the boardwalk and shoot the crap. So yeah, no, I'm all about it, guys. Hey, let me know when you come DTS. I I would love to, you know, keep keep the conversation flowing, keep the uh, soda pops flowing, and uh, get get some of those uh, Cubanos and C- Cabanas going on. Nice, Rick, Chris. I know you got a Cubano on, and with my name on it. I got a lot I'm of them, out. <laughs> Rick, Rick, I'm from Staten Island, buddy. Trust me. I have a steady flow of them it's coming. Time. You know it's I mean? time. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, Rick. Thank you, my man. Well, we'll be talking soon. Always a pleasure, fellas. Appreciate the time and appreciate the uh, True Blue 
G-Men fans out there that show all the love and support. And they love you, buddy. They love you, Rick. Well, you know what, guys? Like I said, I'm a Jersey guy. I've been around the block, but you guys have opened me up to a lot of new followers, and I greatly appreciate that. And you guys do a phenomenal job, and I look forward to continue coming on, on your show. And uh, like we talked about off the air, I'd be happy to contribute with you guys and, and you know, just the, uh, you know, as you guys get pumped listening to me talk about the Giants draft class, man, I get pumped looking. At, I log on Twitter, man. It's like, holy cow, where did these guys come from? Like, hey, they're just so fired up and passionate. Like, that fires me up. So I appreciate it, gentlemen. Wait till you, wait till you see my tweets, though, in camp. <laughs> hey, I know I know you're going to stir it up. So uh, I guess we'll call, you, we'll call you the straw. Chris. Jerry looks. Uh, Jerry looks forward to looking what my next tweet's going to be about who did what and and all that crap that's, that goes that's on. Two, so. That's another Yankee. You're the straw, Chris. You're the straw that stays. Reggie <laughs> <laughs> Jackson, baby. Hey, Jerry. Just what I was really liking this guy, Rick. He starts hitting with the Yankee crap. Oh, that's yeah. great. Uh, Rick, I don't know if you know. I think I think you know. I am a diehard Red Sox fan. From New York, if you can figure that one out, Rick. Well, I feel sorry for you, Chris. Well, why is that, buddy? I mean, we got like four championships in the last seven years. Why you feel bad for me, buddy? <laughs> why? Hey, oh, oh what's got, the matter? Crack out your tongue, there, Rick? Nah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a historian, so well, I'm, well, I'm, oh, here we go. Well, I'm, well, counting, I'm counting all the rings, and you're, <laughs> you're talking about that crap. you're talking about four. Mickey Mantle, we won it every year. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. Yo- Rick. Yogi, Yogi's looking down and laughing at you, brother. Oh God! All right. <laughs> Even Peter's got four, doesn't he? Come on, now. five years yeah. in a row from forty-nine to fifty-three, right, Rick? Well, they were in the World Series every yeah. single season. In the I, I know a stupid amount of Yankee stats. I don't, yeah, all you, had to do, all you had to do was win the division. You win the World Series, pal. All right, don't make it out like it was that big of a deal, okay? <laughs> You're talking to a baseball historian here, guy, all right? <laughs> Rick, thank you, my man. Enjoy. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, appreciate the time, guys. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, folks, to order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. Go to magster.com for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R-S. And download The Giant Insider app from the App Store. We just printed Sunday night, so hope you guys enjoy it. Remember, Sundays are giant days. Take care, everybody.